You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Well, hello there, podcast people. Welcome to episode five, or episode high five as we're calling it, of the Manage Mental Podcast, a weekly discussion on hot topics in the music biz for the up-and-comers, the brand newbies, the beginners, and aspiring rock stars of tomorrow. Yes, it's true. The struggle is real, my friends, but let us help you uncover some of the mystery that is this competitive business of rock and roll. I am your host, coffee drinker, master of cats, fan manager by day, and a reverend in the church of rock and roll by night, Mr. Blasco. I am joined by my good friend, the co-host from the other coast, a record label owner, artist manager, and serial 5K marathon runner, Mr. Mike Mowry. Oh yeah, baby. Here we are. And speaking of 5Ks and marathons, I got a nice 5K that I organized coming up this Sunday. So by the time this hits everyone's ears, it will have just happened uh, for the third year in a row. It's an awesome event and um, in the middle of planning all of it, putting the final touches on it as we speak. But you know, you and I are committed to our take on these incredibly important topics. So cutting out a little bit of time here from the workday to make sure that we're able to connect on this. I'm looking forward to it. It's another topic that you picked that I'm really passionate about. Yes, today's episode, we get into treating your band as a brand. Inspired by an article written by John Kowalski for musicclout.com. I'm super hype on this topic, so let's get mental. Hello there, Mr. Mike. What is new in your world, my friend? All is good here. You know, it's uh, winter in the great city of Washington, D.C. There seems to be a lot of hot topics going on in the political realm. I wasn't able to go down and take part in any of the protest marches, but I have been following along at home. It's been pretty incredible, you know, to see that. I won't get too much into that, but all else as well, after our call today, I get to head down to DC Brow, our good friends that started the first brewery here in Washington, DC, because we're doing that darkest hour collaboration beer, and today is canning day. So they pull it out of the vat put it into the killer cans, and we might have a sip or two for lunch. Really looking forward to it. How about you? How's everything? My cat just joined us, as he typically does, which is always good for the uh, photo op. And then this week, I started a 30-day challenge uh, with my gym. So they, you know, they challenge us and you have to journal like all your eating and exercise habits. You know, I went to GNC and got a body scan and all that stuff. So that started yesterday. So we'll see 30 days from now, I might be leaner and meaner. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, baby. What, (laughs) what, what is your goal? If you have one out of curiosity, I don't know that I have one other than to see if I can stay disciplined enough for the 30 days to, uh, to stick it out. You know, the one thing that I noticed really early on is that 
whenever you're journaling what you're eating, it's really easy to talk yourself out of the chocolate chip cookie whenever you know that you have to write it down and then you have to share it with the other people in the challenge and you're going to be heavily scrutinized. You know what I mean? It's easy to uh, walk away from the pressures of uh, bad food, if you will. Yeah, it's pretty incredible. And I think that, you know, segues into some of the stuff we're going to talk about here. There's a psychology in so much that all of us handle and do and as you're pointing out here you know when you've got a journal something you're tapping into your own psychology of whether you want to share that with the group that maybe you haven't lived up to the expectation that you've set for yourself or they've set for themselves and you know when we talk about branding as a whole and branding with artists there's a lot of psychology that's involved in it yeah man and and look i'm obsessed with branding in general not just with bands but now more than ever Bands need to really think of themselves as all-encompassing brands. But as you know, brand, quote-unquote, is one of those words that is widely used but unevenly understood. What does brand mean? Put simply, your brand is what your fan thinks of when he or she hears your band name. It's everything the public thinks it knows about your name brand offering, both factual and emotional. An article on musicclout.com titled Six Definitions You Must Have for Your Music's Brand recently caught my attention. It was written by John Kowalski, and you can find more about him and his music branding website at babasita.com. As usual, we will link the article and the website in the show notes for all those interested in checking it out. In order to truly define your brand, you should break down the five W's and the one H. So what are the five W's and the one H, you ask? Well, I'll tell you. Who, what, why, where, and when are the five W's and how is the H. So when defining these for your music, it goes like this. Who your audience is, what they like, why they would follow you, where they are, when you interact with them, and how this interaction takes place. So let's break it down. Who is demographics? Are they male or female? A mix of both. What age groups, et cetera, et cetera. Do they speak other languages? If it is a demographic, chart it. Compare your current audience to your desired audience. Yeah, I mean, for some reason, this has taken me back to one of those years in school, I guess maybe junior high. Is that when we focused on who, what, when, where, why, and how? Um, And I think it was probably dealing with some sort of English class or history writing a paper or something. I don't remember exactly what. But, you know, what I think is interesting here is this really taps into a place as a guy that, you know, I'm super passionate about branding as well. And I don't even think that I've spent a ton of time digging in at this particular level, meaning I probably start, and maybe it's because with the artists that I'm working with or the brands that I'm associated with, I sort of know it intuitively. I haven't had to define it, but I think it's such an interesting point where it says compare your current audience to your desired audience. As we're going through this, I'm thinking about some of the brands that I've helped develop, uh, a lot of the process that I've gone through with artists and bringing them into a room and sort of maybe tapping into some of these things, but approaching it in a different way. But I just love the fact that, you know, there's so many artists that you and I probably both work with that are like, well, why isn't our fan base like this? 
And it's really cool to say, hey, let's define what our fan base looks like, our audience does, and then how can we maybe transition that, point it in a way where, you know, it's a different audience. Take a death metal band, for instance. Carnifex is a great example. You know, they've been in this really deathcore milieu for quite some time, and they're wanting to move a little bit more into the accessible metal realm. They wanted to get on Warp Tour. Lo and behold... I guess I can't announce anything, so we will say maybe they'll be on Warp Tour this summer. <laughs> All right. <laughs> they want to move more towards a warped crowd, towards a little bit more of a, a mainstream metal crowd. And so that's a really good example of a band that they have a current audience, they know where their desired audience is going. And so, how have they focused on? some branding elements to help move them in that direction. Yeah, I mean, look, and to help the newbies out here, your Facebook page on the back end, it has some really good analytical breakdown that just comes with it, right? In terms of who your audience is. And it breaks down where they are, the amount of females versus males, and like the age range, right? Like it's really interesting for me on my two uh, main clients with Zach or with, with Black Veil, they run the gamut, right? I mean, Black Veil is primarily female and they're primarily teenagers, whereas Zach's is primarily male and they're primarily older. But that's helpful because that helps you dictate what kind of merch you're going to make to understand that whenever you're doing gigs, Zach can do 21 and over venues, but Black Veil can't. So knowing your demographic is highly important because you know what songs you're writing for you know what i mean there's so much that goes along with it so that leads us to then the second w what what need are you fulfilling for your audience are you creating a song that makes them smile and turn a bad day around what about a performance that inspires and takes them away for a few hours I mean, again, just starting at the very, very basic. I love it. You know, are you creating a song that makes them smile and turn a bad day around? Obviously, with many of the heavier artists that you and I work with, they kind of come out of the gates with a little bit of, of an approach of tapping into something. Is it anger? Is it alienation? Is it rebellion? Like, what is it that's that's tied up in that that they're writing? But Darkest Hour is a perfectly good example of the band that you know, I'm going to go down and fill some beers with later today. You know, they're a band that when they came on the scenes, they were a metal band tapping into the Swedish roots of At The Gates and In Flames and, and artists like that, yet tying it into very political kind of punk rock lyrics. And so I do, I think it's really interesting how he mentions this stuff. It's And it's important to break it down. I mean, look, it's tough to reverse engineer Things of this nature that aren't necessarily uh, so predictable, right? Like a lot of things happen just naturally. And I do encourage the movement of just getting out there and just doing it and trying to define yourself later. It's not like it's not like successful bands sit down with one another and go, check it out. I got this great idea. We're going to write songs like this and appeal to this people. Like it's not so mathematically perfect. So a lot of it is just going out there and trying to then figure it out as you go along. Right. But it's, it's important to know what you are offering. What is it that your music or you as an artist, what is it that you stand for? You make a really good point. This is a process. And many of the artists that you work with and I work with at this point are 
developed, the ones that we're referencing here. I take my Darkest Hour, who's been around for 20 years. I take Carnifex, who's been around for 10 plus years. When they first started, some of this stuff might not have been so, like you said, calculated. They weren't thinking, oh, I need to write a song that's politically motivated because that's the band base I want to tap into. It's no, this is what is inside of us. This is what's fueling us. This is what makes us passionate. This is what makes us want to write and play for people and record. So that's what ends up coming out. And so one of the things, you know, I think is interesting is some of this stuff that he goes along with is very general here. And I think some of the branding stuff that you and I do is much more specific i think about what is the band name even what symbol or logo goes along with it and i'm curious as to where that kind of fits in here and if we'll touch on that is is that maybe the how potentially yeah so look i mean we move on here to where is the third w and where should encompass their physical location where they vacation, where they hang out online, wherever you will find your audience. Include all physical and virtual locations. Heck yeah, baby. I can see many of these artists at you know the beachfront shop in Panama City Beach when <laughs> people are on spring vac- vacationing. I love it. I mean, it's such an interesting way to, to really kind of look at it. And it's that, I will admit, is never anything that I've considered is where the fans of an artist vacation. What about you? I take the where as to like to more important, relevant things like where do they shop? You know, like are they at record stores? Are they at Hot Topic? Are they at, uh, you know, Forever 21? Like are they at Guitar Center? Like where are they shopping? And then where are they online? Is your fan base more of a Facebook fan base or are they more of a Snapchat fan base, right? So I think in terms of location, thinking of more of what's visually more accessible. Yeah, that makes sense. It's obviously, if you're going to try to meet somebody, where are you meeting them? Where are you trying to promote? Where are you engaging them? Which I think makes a lot of sense. But I still like to think of going on vacation. Maybe, uh, well, actually, you know, there's bands that, quote unquote, take vacations with their fans. A lot of the artists that end up having cruises, or I know that band Hanson, obviously a little bit different uh, demographic and genre from us, but we're friends with their booking agent and they do an escape down to one of the islands. Maybe it's the Bahamas uh, for a weekend every year. It's kind of crazy how you can tap into some of that stuff. For sure. Number four is when. When is a little harder to define. Will you interact with them at an in-person event or will they discover you through a friend? Where can they reach you? Where can you reach them? Interesting that that he hops from when and then includes where in the same thing. Not sure if if that... uh... But anyways, it doesn't really matter. When is a little harder to find for sure. And, and, you know, will you interact with them in person or will they discover you through a friend? Both of those, especially for the newbies and the up and coming artists, those are absolutely the places you're going to meet them. Of course, we've got to consider online, too. And like you said, there's a gamut of social media outlets for people to tap into and you know even more so thinking about that is where are people going to listen to you had a really interesting conversation yesterday about spotify and how everybody and their brother is now trying to get playlisted at spotify and so it's with physical continuing to decrease and with the advent of 
streaming, it's, you know, now people are trying to figure out exactly where within certain streaming applications are they able to, you know, figure out that sort of stuff. Absolutely. I mean, and, and to add on to all of this is that, yeah, I mean, playlists are a big deal. So making sure that you're trying to get on the right playlist. And if that isn't a possibility for you, man, you can make your own playlist on Spotify now. You can, you know, you can upload your own cover, you know, and maybe that's a way to be like, oh, hey, like this is what influenced our new record playlist. Or this is our vacation playlist that we made for you. Having an email address so that you're accessible, whether or not you have, uh, you know, an email blast that goes out and an email sign up. Maybe you just have an accessible email address that people can write to you and ask questions, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's a matter of being accessible because now we're in the uh, the age of being accessible to your fans and and fans expect to have that uh, availability of their artists i think yeah the when is also interesting and, and raises in the back of my mind when we you know as bands grow and continue to to morph and shift is how you sometimes change some of their branding you change the message there's certain artists that update what their logo might look like from record to record you know we'll update some of the symbols or some of the symbolism that's included and you know you and i do that oftentimes around album cycles of course so i I like that The, the when is a really interesting question in here moving on to the number five w why why should contain all the reasons your audience wants to follow you what benefit does your brand give them yeah i mean i think all of the other ones kind of build into this. That's really the key that, that you need to ask yourself is with the massive amount of artists who are out there and the accessibility of all of these artists and the, you know, the ability to find them and find new artists on a daily basis. Why are they going to pick you? Why are they going to come back to you? And that's where you really tap into that emotion i think you know and the message and some of these other things but yeah why is somebody going to get a tattoo of your logo on their arm maybe it's not today if you're a newbie style band or not even style if you're a newer band uh but down the line what is going to make somebody why are they going to feel so impassioned by what you've played for them done for them you know, led them on, you name it, to make them want to really just continue to come back, gravitate, and spread the word of what you're doing with everyone they know. Look, this is the most important one for sure. And and it's, you're so right. I mean, we are completely overwhelmed with the amount of content that is out there. I mean, it is like overwhelming. Like there, there's just not enough time in the day to listen to everything that you want to listen to. So how are you going to rise above the clutter? How are you going to rise above the noise? You know, branding, it's important to think that you're not selling a CD with music on it. You're selling you're selling a lifestyle. You're 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 selling you're selling something that your fans want to be a part of. And that's not a piece of plastic with music on it. It's a feeling that you really can't uh, quantify into that. And it's really important that you understand that the music that you make and and, uh, and your presentation is something as unique and important as possible. Otherwise, you're just going to get lost in the shuffle and this is just going to be a hobby for you. Definitely. So moving on to the 
Last one, how? How is what sets you apart from others in your trade? How often do you interact with your audience? How is it going to be different from other musicians? Yeah, I mean, the how to me is is so much of what I spend my time doing. Again, maybe some of this stuff, these questions, I will begin to think about as I continue to develop artists and develop certain brands with you know, that I handle, but I can't count the number of times I've sat down with bands, especially at that really early stage. A band will come to me. Sometimes they'll have done a certain number of things. They'll have played some local shows. They may have even gotten onto some national touring and they'll talk about, okay, what should we do? And sometimes they just have a name that I think doesn't work. You know, maybe they, they started the band five years ago and yeah, sometimes it does. It takes five years to get to a place where anybody's going to pay real attention to you. And five years previously, when they were 16, 17, 18, their name may have been you know, part of a trend. Three or four years ago, every third band had the word lion in it. Right now, the current word is fire. Previous to that, there's bands that had you know, I, comma, whatever it may have been. And one of those good examples is a band that I work with now called Chasing Safety. They were called Us, From Outside. And <laughs> that was just such a, you know, that was the first thing I said to them. I said, look, we really need to focus on a better name. So I've got a few things that I like to do. I sit down and tap into some of this stuff, these emotions within the band. Okay, let's talk about what bands you like. What are names that you guys really like? So if they've got a bad name, I sit down and work on trying to figure out a good way to, to, to find what I consider to be a better name. And then even if they come to me with something that I find to be an acceptable name, we work to make sure that they've got some sort of symbol, some sort of symbolism that you know they can associate with. I managed the band Like Moths to Flames for a long time, and the first thing we did is created this really cool flame. It was a symbol that everybody wanted to put on them. In the past year, we've wor I've worked hand-in-hand -hand with Spencer from Ice Nine Kills for their IX logo to be something really cool, to be something that we can put on you know, their merchandise that people will want tattooed on them, that they can put on a massive flag so when they're on the main stage of Warped and they're waving it around, people identify with that. And so that's really the core, and that's the stuff that I love and really dig into is, you know, where it starts right there. But I appreciate it because now that we've gone through this, I understand, like, I'm answering those questions without, you know, the who, what, when, where, why, without actually, you know, sitting down and doing it. We've answered those, and then we just get to the how, which is a really fun part. I understand that it's easy to get swept up in the comfort of what's currently hot. But when you do that, you really run the risk of just being something that's going to fade away whenever that scene or that movement also fades away. So it's really, I can't stress enough how important it is to really kind of dig a level or two deeper beyond what's comfortable for you and try and find something that speaks a little louder, that's, um, that's a little bit more unique. I mean, at the end of the day, it's going to be better. It's going to serve you better in terms of uh, you know wanting to have a career in this business. If you stand out 
from the rest rather than just being part of something that is already kind of moving, you know, reach deep into your uncomfort zone. And that I feel will serve you better. Yeah, I think that's fantastic advice. And just remember that it does. It takes time. I can say that even when I first started managing bands, the branding part of it wasn't something that I really had any clue about. Just by the process of doing and seeing what works and trial and error, you know, I've got a lot of experience with it now and it's allowed me to do it not only with artists but other companies that I'm a part of. Um, so, so go easy on yourselves if you're sitting at home trying to figure this stuff out, but really do start to think about these things and start to engage your fan base and, and answer some of these questions. So in a year's time or two years time, when things are really starting to roll for you, you can, you can come back and, and really figure out exactly how to move your brand forward. Because I think you would agree with this, Blasco, correct me if I'm wrong, but my most successful artists at the moment are ones with a very clear vision of not only their brand, but what they're trying to do direction-wise and music-wise. They are not part of the pack. They may have been at one point, you know, they may have been part of something that you know, was easy to glab onto, but now they, they've really set themselves apart and that's where the success is coming. 100%. So look, in conclusion, remember, your brand is a perception or a feeling that speaks to your audience's emotions. It's what you stand for and what your art represents. Your brand is the foundation of any relationship with your current or future audience. Oh yeah. Well, thanks for tuning in. We will be back here next week. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Blasco1313. We encourage you to email us any questions or comments you may have for the podcast to me directly at askblasco at gmail.com. Because, hey, people, we do this show for you. Consider it a tool for understanding this ever so challenging and confusing business of music. If you have listened this far, much respect to you for making efforts to educate yourselves and taking your future into your own hands. Mike, any final thoughts? Just want to say thanks again for tuning in. I'm really curious to get your guys' feedback. If you have the opportunity, please tell a friend about this show. Also, if you head over to the iTunes store, if you would drop us a rating and a review, those are starting to pile up, and it's really nice to see what people think about our show. Uh, and lastly, if you'd like, you can get my ebook, The Music Management Primer, The Business of Being an Artist, just by going to outerloopcoaching.com and plugging in your name and email. So thank you guys very much, and we will talk to you next week. Thanks, everyone. Peace. This is Dewey from Peer Pleasure, and I'm here to tell you about Lorna Shore's new album, Flesh Coffin, coming out February 17, 2017, on Outer Loop Records. Lorna Shore will be on tour with Carnifex, Pelusia, Rings of Saturn, and She Must Burn, February 1st to April 2nd. 
Be sure to head over to Spotify to stream Denounce the Light and Funeral Moon right now and head to allinmerch.com slash outerloop for exclusive packages, including CD and vinyl. This album is brutal to say the least, so do yourself a favor and check it out. Well, hey friends, my name is Zach Lupiton. You may know me from the band Dust Bowl Revival, but I also host a music discovery podcast called The Show on the Road. For the last five seasons, I've been able to dive deep and have intimate chats with folks like the Lumineers, Andy DeFranco, Wolfpack, Keb Moe, Lake Street Dive, Bela Fleck, and more. So guess what? After 150 conversations with some of my favorite songwriters from around the world, we are bringing brand new episodes to the Osiris Network. New interviews and intimate acoustic performances will be coming at you this summer. And which episodes are coming next, you ask? I am Zach Goody, the lead singer for the band Smash Mouth. Our band is called Milky Chance. We are based in Berlin. My name is David Shaw. I sing and write songs with my band, The Revivalists. Trust me, these conversations go some wild places. So subscribe to the show on the road on Osiris, and we'll see you soon. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.